coming up this week off screen. The Guardians of the Galaxy return for Volume 2. There's corset ripping drama courtesy of Lady Macbeth. There's a moving image of Brixton. An Irish boarding school houses a handsome devil. James Redford shows us the meaning of resilience. We head to the Greek Isles for a suntan. And hankies at the ready for when we heal the living. All those to come and more off screen. This is this is off screen. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Ooh, welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Connor. I am Case Allen. So, Mr. Allen, before Hi. the film news, before the uh, reviews, mm, before the box nah. office top five, because I forget we're down to five rather than ten. We don't need ten. It's too we much. don't need it's ten. Too, too much. We are but two men. You know. We are but two men, not ten men. We're men, friendly men, men in tights. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of friendly men, we had some great news, didn't we? We had, yeah, some of the best news I've heard this year. Take it away. Um, life uh, finds a way. Do you mean... Life... Uh, finds a way. It sounds so much better when Jeff Goldblum says <laughs> Everything it. sounds better when it's Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Which is good, because he's going to be in Jurassic World 2. I know, I can't wait. And I texted you this morning when I saw it, and I literally, I wanted to cry. <laughs> it was such good news, wasn't it? I was like, oh, let's dig out the oil painting of Jeff Goldblum, uh, you know, sat <laughs> yes. with the shirt open on a field. Yeah. yeah, and so Ian Malcolm will be returning to the, the Jurassic Park universe. And yes. this is this is great. I mean, I don't know how story-wise it's going to happen, because it, it involves militarised dinosaurs, the plot, so... It does, yeah, thanks to Vincent Enough here. Yeah, I mean, it's a million miles away from anything that would require the involvement of Ian Malcolm, but... Yeah. I don't know, chaos. Chaos is going to be around. That's true. Chaos never goes away, so... Chaos never goes away. Yeah, no. so yes. Um, yeah, I've, I've actually got, uh, like, an additional bit of uh, Jeff Goldblum news, <laughs> which is just... It's perfect Jeff Goldblum Go, what are you as well. Me? So, yeah, he's going to be in Jurassic World 2. That's incredible. Also today, he was trending on Twitter because he was giving away free sausages in Sydney. He what, was, he was in like a, exactly. He was in like a food truck, just giving away like these sausages. He was calling uh, like Goldblum sausages or something. That's amazing. And then wasn't wasn't explaining why he was there, giving out these free sausages to people. He, he was just, I am Jeff Goldblum. I bring you meat. Yeah. He said, this is something to do with my chosen profession. That's all I can say right now. That's Which is a very Jeff thing to say. So what's James Corden got him doing? Ah. Uh, <laughs> it's always Corden or yeah. someone like that. Corden or oh, Fallon, God. really, isn't it? No, Fallon's not that imaginative. No, but everything he does is so fun. It's so fun. So fun. So fun. Yeah, yeah. So, so fun. Ah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Endless Thanks. 10 minutes oh, of cackling. Exactly, yeah. Then tell us why you're here. Yeah. Mm. Oh, no. But, of course, Fallon was in Jurassic World as well. So. Oh, yeah, he was. He, he was. was in those little pods but he was, he do, doing in the... the Jimmy Fallon thing. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. was actually really believable, because he would do <laughs> yeah. stuff like that for, like, Universal. Yeah. And this, like really Universal naff, this really naff thing we've got Jimmy Fallon doing, we would actually do that if our Jurassic Park was real. Exactly. So, exactly. yeah. I remember, though, um, during the release of Jurassic World, they decked out uh, Waterloo Station. As Jurassic, as Jurassic World. Yeah, I heard about that. It was great, because the, if yeah. you went through the turnstiles, they were marked out uh, one ecopod at a time, please. That's very cool. it was It was great. Loved it. And I still have a photo of some of the enormous island map that they put up on the platforms. Mm. Um, I, I've got a map uh, of the island of Nubar, like, like a small like tourist map I got from a Comic-Con ages ago. Wow. It's, it's great. I'm surprised yeah. you don't have that framed, but... 
It's just it's it's in my in my nerd drawer I have upstairs. So what is the release date? This well, this is is this twenty ninety or twenty eighteen Jurassic World? Uh, next summer. It's next summer. Next so summer. July twenty eighteen. Isn't it? Summer? I believe. Yeah. It's it's, so. it's definitely prime time. Prime time. Yeah. But of course, we've got very very happy news to of course very very sad news. Yeah. This this literally just came in uh, like five minutes ago. Um, so sadly, uh, Jonathan Demi has uh, passed away. I have to look this up because yeah. I get Jonathan Demi and Ted Demi confused. Right, okay, so Jennifer, um, sorry, uh, Jonathan Demi uh, directed uh, Silence of Lambs, uh, Rachel Getting Married, uh, Philadelphia. Yep. Um, yeah, he recently did, uh, it was a Justin Timberlake concert film that's on Netflix and he directed that. He did, yeah, he, I remember it was really odd, wasn't it? It was like, why Why has he done this? Well, because he had a background in music videos as well. Well. Um, and to be fair, the Justin Timberlake show is incredible. It's really, really good. The remake of The Manchurian Candidate, I forgot that was him. The oh Den- yeah, of course. Denzel. That was, yeah, it was him as well. Yeah. So yeah, um, absolutely incredible body of work, and this is this is really surprising news. Oh man, he, he directed the Truth About Charlie, the forgotten Mark what Mark Wahlberg vehicle. Yep. Well, yeah, he did. Oh man. But I mean, he might be best remembered for Silence of the Lambs. I, would. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we did win an Oscar, a, didn't it? And he, he won an Oscar for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Best, I mean, that that won the the top five. That was the last film I seem to remember winning for big top five. Yeah. Was picture. Uh, actor, actress, picture, director, and screenplay. Huh, yeah. yeah. I remember uh, Chris Wilson had an ongoing discussion about The Silence of the Lambs, largely in that the Academy wouldn't acknowledge it as a horror film. They preferred to think of it as a drama thriller because they wouldn't admit that they gave best picture to a, horror, a horror movie. Even though it's a horror It's film. a horror movie. It's a horror yeah, movie. Yeah, it's a yeah. horror movie. If you really want to get classy about it, it's a psychological horror movie. But still... Yeah, as far as him directing the uh, Justin Timberlake thing goes, that's still not as weird to me as uh, Morgan Spurlock directing the uh, One Direction movie. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, which nobody has ever explained. I've just remembered something else about Jonathan Demi. Just what? thanks to Twitter. Uh, speaking of a Justin Timberlake thing and him doing music videos, he did a Talking Heads film called Stop Making Sense, which is it's like one of the best. I remember that. Yeah, he that's that's his. It's like it's one of the best live concert music films. Ever, I would say it's incredible. But yeah, he, it's up there. He, 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 did, he did that, and yeah, very, very sad. It is very sad. Yeah. Oh well, I mean, I, I, I'm always really saddened that I, I can't seem to differentiate between him and Ted Dem. But uh, very, very different directors, admittedly, yeah. but uh, they have exactly the same surname. So uh, you know, make up. Is is that just what you think? Just about like, oh, we've got the same surname, same surname, same, same, guy. same person, same yeah. guy. But uh, yeah. so speaking of uh, names being same as someone else's, let me talk about yeah. Lady Macbeth real quick. Because this isn't this Michael is, Fassbender's wife, is it? It's not. No. It's not Marianne Cotillard. It's nothing to do with Shakespeare. It is based on the novel Lady Macbeth, Nikolai Leskov's novel. It's a Russian novel originally. It's now been transplanted into, I think, northern rural England, period piece setting, nineteenth, uh, late 19th century, I'd say, at a pinch. And it stars uh, Florence Pugh. Who did you see the falling with Maisie Williams? Um, I didn't, but we were talking about this lady last week, weren't we? We were, I yeah. Believe, yeah. She was the she was the best friend in the falling, and she was terrific in it. But the only problem was that Maisie Williams, given that she was the lead, was about ten percent more brilliant. So she kind of overshadowed her. Mm. And fair enough, it's her movie. So she takes the lead here, and she is Lady Catherine, a young you want to say about eighteen, nineteen year old girl who marries into a sort of marriage of convenience. Uh, her husband, husband Paul Hilton is. Uh, 
a very sort of slimy kind of a man, we'll say. But he has no sexual interest in her. And bearing in mind, of course, these were the times, so, you know, she is, uh, you know, she's a young woman. She is still innocent, wanting to experience life. And, of course, he goes away. He has, uh, something goes wrong with one of his, his mining uh, businesses. He has to go away to London. Her, her father-in-law, uh, the, the lord of the manor, as it were, um, goes away shortly afterwards as well, as well, and she is left to her own devices in this house. And this is a girl who has never known independence, is left in this massive country estate with nothing to do all day. And just some servants, that's it for company. So basically, she has no one to talk to. She soon soon uh, strikes up um, a sort of an anta- initially antagonistic relationship with uh, a, a horse hand. I think he's a horse groomer, actually, played by Cosmo Jarvis. Who, great name. It's why, a do great know, name. why do we know that name? If you look yes. him up, you will know. He also looks weirdly like a young Andrew Lincoln. Yes, yes. What do I know him from? Do you think he looks like Andrew Lincoln? He's, he's got a touch of touch of Lincoln about him. A yeah. touch of the Rick. A touch, touch, of, of, a touch Rick. of the Rick Grimes. A bit of the Grimes. Okay, so they embark on an affair that awakens the sort of the, the personality within her that's, that's always been there. The headstrong, independent woman, as it were. He's, he's a little bit like Tom Hardy, spliced with Andrew Lincoln. <laughs> kind of is, yeah. yeah, strange. Like yeah carry on. Uh, before long, the husband comes back, however, and basically the woman she's become and the woman he wants her to be and the woman she was... Kind of all have to intersect, and this mm. isn't going to end well. Here's a clip, and this is our Florence Pugh and Cosmo Jarvis in one of their more intimate times together. She won't speak. You know I shan't be parted from your life, Sebastian. Through hell and high water, I will follow you. To the cross, to the prison, to the grave, to the, the sky. I'd rather stop you breathing than have you doubt how I feel. Uh, you know him because he's a musician? Yes. Okay, that, that, like you say, so it's that's, the why most, I, that's why I know the name, yeah. The most case Alan answer imaginable. Uh, first of all, I thought this film was terrific. I really did. I was blown away by this. Um, she is an absolute find as the lead. She's genuinely brilliant in this. There is a star quality to Florence Pugh that I, I she was great in, in The Falling but that was three years ago I'd forgotten about her since I now won't forget about her again she's great in this um, Cosmo Jarvis meanwhile has a little bit of a sort of, he's a sort of like a rugged Christian Grey type quality he's a very mm. initially starts off as quite a a dominant kind of a, a lover and it, it, it's uh, the relationship sort of evens out so she becomes equally as powerful as he does in the relationship um, it's really something there is this sexually charged romance at the centre of it but it, I wouldn't describe it for instance as an erotic thriller although it does having come so soon after The Handmaiden for instance it's nice to see that we are getting eroticized cinema again it's something that's been missing for about 20 years and periodically there are little attempts to revive it they never really go anywhere and no one ever needs to see that Heather Graham one what was it called? Killing Me Softly <laughs> I forgot that even existed. I just remember Jonathan Fiennes uh, chaining her to a kitchen table. That's all I remember. And the whole film being... Joseph. Joseph Fiennes. Joseph Fiennes. (laughs) There's a third Fiennes brother right there. Although, is there a third one? I don't know. Possibly. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. look. That's what we do on this show. Because people looking at the internet... That's that's exactly what happens. Makes a riveting podcast. Uh, No, really, really great film on the whole. Uh, Screenwriter Alice Birch has done a really good job adapting this novel, making it work for now. Um, Despite the fact that it's, it's an old older novel, it's actually got something quite contemporary to say about uh, feminist roles. It's, despite the fact that it's a period piece, it's surprisingly contemporary. Um, It has this feel at times, like someone has done a proper 
you know, quality premium brand sexed up take on the Catherine Cookson adaptations of the 90s, if you can imagine that. You, you have a mum, same as I do. We, I'm sure you've seen these in the 90s. And, yeah. No. <laughs> who, who says I've got a mother? <laughs> <laughs> you just emerged from a pod, so that's what it was. Uh, but no, a relative unknown, uh, William Oldroyd, has directed this, and he's done a hell of a job. Uh, there is some great cinematography from Ari Wegner, uh, wonderful production design from Jacqueline Abrahams. Um, I really enjoyed it. I really did. But I think a large part of why I enjoyed it is because she, frankly, is so good at it. But uh, So um, let's book the podcast real quick before we move on. Uh, let's do it. Extended version of this show with all the extra bits after the credits, more reviews, more news, which is why you obviously get to own that. So this, Yeah, that, that yeah. Is, that's Case's like show. My, my show, my yeah, time it, to shine. It stops being off-screen, it becomes off-case. And <laughs> <laughs> that's what we should call it. Off-case. Off-case. Case, case screen. Exactly. And then it ends <laughs> with the moment of Cage, and Case never knows what that is one week to the next. We no, which is great. Part. I love that. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love not knowing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you want to listen to that, all you need to do pop along to Acast, iTunes, Deezer, TuneIn, uh, even our own website, go to onscreenfilm.com, go into the off-screen section and download this week's off-screen show. It's there. Take part. Enjoy. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back. So, Mr. Allen, it's time the time that we do the big review of the week. And I know you have to take your headphones off at a certain point. Oh, no, you don't, because you, you've kind of seen the clip. I, we established you've seen... I'm going to listen to the clip. That's um, fine. Okay. But me and, me and Van have had... We've, we've had a, a pre-show conference. We, we have. We've, we've had a tata-tete. And, uh, a tata-tete? I've not shown you my tata. <laughs> maybe later. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bobby did it first, man. He's going to keep uh, spoilers to a minimum. Okay, he's going to yep. say very little about it. No no songs will be revealed. No major deaths will be revealed. Nothing, nothing will be revealed. Um, nothing will be revealed. That is it. All we'll say is there's a film, there's a Marvel badge before it. <laughs> Two hours later, you're going to be very happy. Yeah. And I'm going to guess there's, there's a post-credit. Oh, no, or, or 20. No, we, we, this has been a news thing this past week. Yes, it has. Guardians uh, of the Galaxy 2 has five post-credit scenes but please don't think that this is like a standard Marvel film where you have to sit through a black screen of text and wait for a post-credit sequence James Gunn has mastered the end credit sequence that's all I need to know that's all you need to know that's, that's all, all I'm going to say yeah because I've, I've been waiting for somebody to just perfect it someone has done it and here we are James Gunn has done it James Gunn has figured out that you are going to be sat there for 10 minutes anyway you might as well be entertained James and his gun James and his gun yeah so um, this is uh, Gunn is the Galaxy Volume, volume two. 2 I can't wait I'm excited okay. please tell me minimal things minimal things <laughs> okay so rather than doing a set now sequel that has that you know you could then acknowledge certain events in the Marvel Universe this takes place in 2014 Okay. So it is like two or three months after Guardians 1. So it's two or three months after we kind of established the, the status quo, you know, the, the five Guardians all together on the Milano, shooting off into space, and they're basically mercenaries for hire. When this opens, the new status quo, it, it transpires. As he said at the end of the last film, is something bad, something good, a bit of both. They're doing something that's a bit of both. So they, they basically become the crew from Firefly. And... It, exactly as you always wanted them to be. They have a job. The job goes terribly wrong. They find themselves on the run very briefly and are then rescued by someone who reveals himself to be Peter Quill's father. But, as is always the case with absentee dads, is he really on the level? Is there something more than he's saying? Meanwhile... Some other characters are imprisoned. I was going to say, Some, so far, so Kung Fu Panda 3. Ex- yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But this doesn't have James Hong. There, there is shame, sad, sadly shame. no James There is, however, some Kurt Russell 
Always so, great. Yeah. Enjoy that. And because no Tango and Cash reunion is complete without, <laughs> I want to say, Tango. Which has been so <laughs> Exactly. Um, Sylvester Sloan obviously is in it as well. It's yeah. very publicised. This is not a spoiler. Um, mm. But uh, there are so many cameos in this, it will blow your mind if I revealed half of them. I won't, because for one thing, it's an insane list. If I told you half of them, you wouldn't believe me. That's good. You you really wouldn't. I, you, I I could I could genuinely make up ones that sounded more believable than the ones in this film. I've heard that Stanley is one of them. Though. Stanley is one of them. I tell you what. Before we That's get a to spoiler. that. Yeah, <laughs> Stanley in a marathon. Go oh. for you. So before we get to that, I said we finished the plot. Um, yes. So you've got the the, the storyline with Peter's dad. You've got a storyline where certain characters are are locked up and have to break out. You've got another storyline involving uh, Karen Gillan's Nebula from the first movie, and she's on a revenge mission of her own. You've got another storyline involving this religious, genetically enhanced faction who are out for blood. You've got another story involving a mutiny with the Ravagers, and there are a lot of stories going on. I'll tell you what. Here's a clip that's thankfully light on story and big on dialogue-driven action. The beast hide is too thick to be pierced from the outside. I must cut through it from the inside. Huh? <laughs> no, no, Drax! Wait a minute! Drax! What is he doing? He said the skin is too thick to be pierced from the outside, so well, That he... doesn't make any sense. I tried telling skin him that. The skin is the same level of thickness from the inside as from the outside. I realize that. That was really great to listen to with headphones. It really is, It felt it? like I was yeah. inside the monster. <laughs> it really is. Uh, right, okay, so first of all, it's... Um, right. As a sequel, it is as good to, in relation to Guardians of the Galaxy as John Wick 2 is to John Wick. And I basically thought the same about it as I thought of John Wick 2, which is, here is a film that's going to bolster up certain elements, do a lot of world building, and at the same time, you've lost the surprise factor of last time. So Yeah, because it was so fresh. And nobody, it was so fresh. Knew it was yeah, exactly. Be so and it was the film that got us excited about having Star Wars back again. And we all tend to forget that. That you know, Guardians kind of pipped Star Wars to the post. That's a good point, actually. It's 2014. Yeah. Uh, the the reboot had been announced. Obviously, it was in. But it, it was, it was, it was relatively fresh news, wasn't it? But it was relatively. But I, they must have already started chewing. But oh, that would have been yeah. August 2014. But yeah, they had, they were filming. They were filming Easter that year because they were filming in the UAE when I was there, yeah. and that was just before. Yeah. Mm. So right, here's the thing. So you you're gonna have you're gonna have a lot of fun. You really are, despite the fact that it's about the same length in terms of runtime, because it's not quite as streamlined as the first one. It does feel like you're watching a longer film, but you're actually not. What you're watching is a film that has a lot more character stuff, a lot more story, but doesn't quite have the seamless momentum and the the unflinching energy of the first movie. This one does stop to smell the roses. The last film didn't. There are certain beats, so for instance, a jailbreak sequence that are repeated in a strange way, although they do put enough of a fresh spin on them. Now, James Gunn, it turns out, is actually a far, far better director than anyone really seems to think he is. He throws every trick in his arsenal into this, and there is a shot in this film, you are going to know it when you see it, that you just go, oh my god, he went Sam Raimi for a second there. <laughs> you know you know hype, that cartoonish hyper-violence that Sam Raimi always did so well. There is a, just a moment in this where you're like, oh my Spate god, it's so Sam Raimi. Um, some of the humour in it is fantastic. There's a lot more Drax this time around. Uh, there's a lot more poignancy given to certain characters like Rocket and a couple others I won't name. Um, soundtrack wise it's a bit folksier 
I will say. It's a bit folksier, a little softer, but all the songs are thematically more tied into the actual narrative this time around. So rather than the first movie where, you know, Cherry Bomb didn't really have any relevance to the plot of Guardians. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It was a kick-ass song. And this time around, it's a lot more American Werewolf in London, if you can, you know, for, in terms yeah. of relevance to the actual, the, the ongoing themes. Um, I loved it. It contains the single greatest metatextual joke in the history of internet fandom. And again, okay. you are going to know it when, <clears throat> when you I see it. it. <laughs> um, there's so many cameos, so many in-jokes, so many references to just big, bad, wider Marvel things in there. It's got the best opening and closing credits of any film of the last... Well, since It's got the best opening credits since Watchmen. It's got the best closing nice. credits of any film ever. Whoa, that is high praise. W- when was the last time you enjoyed closing credits to a film? Ever. Stoker. Ooh, okay. Oh, okay, you might have. You me. know why? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you've not seen Stoker, there's a bit right at the end with the credits where I'm not even going to say it just because the hmm. the actual impact of it is just like oh, I know. It's, I know. Yeah, it's really unnerving and it's so simple. But these are closing yeah. credits that that ho- constantly hold your attention. Like you are actively watching the closing credits. It's bizarre. Um, yeah, so so much in there to enjoy. Uh, the cast are all on fine form. There's not a weak link in the bunch. You will be desperately looking forward to a third one by the end of it. Um, it's quite heavy-handed at times, but James Gunn is that good of a writer that he manages to make certain things work when no other writer necessarily would. As I said to you earlier, there is a certain song choice at one point that in any other film you would be rolling your eyes and groaning, going, oh, for God's sake. But it's Guardians, so you like But it's Guardians, and it so perfectly works in the moment. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's that. It, it's great. I loved it. I had a hell of a time with it. I can't wait to see it again. I'm going back Sunday morning. I'm seeing this in IMAX. i got to oh, go. that'll be good. I can't wait. I only saw this in, I saw this on digital. Uh, I was uh, at Dolby. We saw, saw it in, like, mm. poor people, poor provision. <laughs> no, we saw this at Dolby. So we had Dolby Atmos and, and Dolby Digital Vision, whatever it's called. Dolby Vision, I think it is. Uh, I loved the hell out of it. I really, really did. I can't wait to see more of this. I will go so far as to say I think it is the best direct sequel to a Marvel film outside of Winter Soldier. It's sounding like that. Oh, so you think Winter Soldier is... Oh, yeah. Winter Soldier is the only number two that worked. Really? Before before okay, yeah. this week, yeah, yeah. the only number two Actually, that's ever worked. Actually, to be worked. fair, yeah, that's, that's a bit obvious, because yeah. Iron Man 2... Yeah. Iron Man 2 isn't a patch on Iron Man. Well, I mean, it's not... Dark World is... Dark yeah. World's not a patch on Thor. Nobody thinks the Dark World is the best of the two Thor movies. Nobody at all. Nobody. I'm yeah. sure there's someone in a rubber room somewhere saying it, but, mm. you know... But yeah, who, who was the director of that again? The guy that did Terminator Je- uh, Jellyfish. Alan Taylor, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, and then of course Age of Ultron, nobody's favorite mm-hmm. Avengers movie. But then again, Marvel, Marvel is smart with it. Like mm. if if something isn't working for the sequel, they'll do what we need to do. And if it is working, we'll keep people. Which leads me very succinctly to my next piece of news. <laughs> Go on, James Gunn is going to come back. He is going back. I'm so happy. Uh, which is great. Um, and he's he's been talking about a character that people thought was going to be in this film, and originally was going to be in this. Who film. is the character? I don't want to look at you squarely in the eyes. No, no, this just look at me. Because there's certain ones mentioned and acknowledged, and there are certain ones curiously absent. And I, okay. I'm curious who it is that you're talking about. Well, for fans of a the comic, there is there's a massive character that should have been there at this point, and that character is Adam Warlock. 
Right, okay. okay yeah, and he, he practically said Adam Warlock will be a very big part in the next one, <laughs> which is, is cool. Um, who would you cast as Adam Warlock? Because I've, I've, I've got my choice already. Army Hammer. Army Hammer's a really good one. I've seen mm. lots of people saying that. Uh, Jake John Hall, lots of people have been saying. Um, mm. I would say Glenn Powell. Ooh. I think he needs like a big a big showy role like that to make him a star. He does, and it's either yeah. something like this or Green Lantern. Can we talk then real quickly about uh, a moving image? Yes. Which is this low-budget British production. It's made by uh, Shola and Moo. Um, it, it centres around the gentrification of Brixton in London. And uh, it's about a young girl named Nina. She's uh, she's moved away for a while. She's come back to Brixton. She fancies herself an aspiring actress. And she's now decided, based, in, based on what she's seen of the gentrification of her former homestead, she is going to document, you know, basically chronicle people's accounts of, you know, how Brixton has changed and, and so on and so forth. Uh, we have a clip real quick. I just think it's a really complex situation, Nina. Yes, but... Do you remember how no one used to want to come here? How we would lie to people at school about where we live because we were so embarrassed. I've seen those people, by the way, and they live here now. You know how much I hated that place, but, I mean, why were we even there? Like, why was everything we were told to aspire to as far away from this place as possible? Can we really be mad at people for valuing it now? I think we can. I mean... Reclaim has 5,000 people signed up to attend the event. I'm going to go film, see what I can get. Right, this is a really indulgent thing. This is one of those um, that's clearly been made by someone who is active in his community and knows it will only ever particularly be seen within his community. And it has that feel. Um, not that the performances aren't very good. The performances that Tanya Fear, who plays the lead, plays Nina there. She's really likable. There's, some, there's, there's a charisma to her that really sells it. But you have got other performers in there, in particular like Husina Raja, where it's a very forced, it's like it's almost drama school performance. And mm. you, you kind of you, you're not particularly engaged or drawn in at any point. And the problem is, so much of it is made up of this bohemian self indulgence that you just kind of come away thinking, would it not have been better to have this setting anywhere else in the world? I mean, for instance, you and I both watch Girls on HBO. It's something that comes up in that a lot: the gentrification of certain New York neighbors, but they're That's iconic. True. You know, the globally iconic neighborhoods. This being confined somewhere like Brixton does seem to peg it into a corner. But also, you just Come away from it at the end thinking, I don't really know what the point of that was. She didn't like that the independent coffee shops were shutting down, so she went and got a bunch of people on camera to say, we don't like that the independent coffee shops are being shut down. Well, okay then. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's a film. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. Um, we're back, so Mr. Allen, Hi. where should we go Hi. next? Let us go to the box office top five. Number five. John Wick 2. <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing? That'd if... be incredible. <laughs> I want to see Keanu Reeves sing the Smurf song. Oh, me too. Sing a happy song. <laughs> you know that was like that was like a discarded sketch on like Jimmy Fallon or something. No, uh, Smurfs of the Lost Village. Well, it's been half term, hasn't it? So that's why it's crept back into the charts. Yeah. And fair play, because, you know, of, of films aimed at young kids, I mean, two of them have, have re-entered the top, well, are in the top five. One is a family film, another one I haven't seen, and the other one's got Vin Diesel in it, so it's not really child-friendly. Unless but there is family. <laughs> but, but there is family. Um, 
I, I don't know. I didn't dislike Smurfs The Lost Village. Um, I do accept that it is intended for five-year-olds. Mm. Uh, it is basically the Trolls movie without the musical numbers. And the thing was, the musical numbers were kind of what made Trolls so happy and fun and enjoyable. Um, this is fun and enjoyable, and it's got it's actually got a surprisingly impressive cast on there, and they're all doing their things. You've got Danny Pudi, you've got Jack McBriar, you've got uh, uh, Joe, Joe Manganiello. Jojo. Um, Jojo. Jojo Manganiello. Jojo Jojo. Oh, Jojo. <laughs> it's a Power Rangers theme. Jojo Manganiello. <laughs> but, uh, and, and of course, uh, is it oh, Demi Lovato, I think, takes over Smurfette. But I, I liked it more than I disliked it. It is completely animated, presumably for the idea that this is the first one the Chinese have invested in, so they can, they can dub it and sell it internationally. Um, and fair play, you know, it's cheap, it's cheerful. You know, it didn't bore me. It didn't particularly entertain me either, but... Uh, I'm not five years old, except mentally. Number four. Their finest. Which screened while we were off, so... Yeah, have you, have you not seen it? I've not had the pleasure. I really want to see it. I think it's got a really good story, really good cast. I love Bill Nye, obviously. Gemma Martin's great, and apparently she's Welsh in this, so that's good. I um, sent my next-door neighbour to a talker screening of it. Over one that I could not attend. The one that you could <laughs> yeah. not attend. I sent my... Have, uh, have my cast well, We had multiple tickets. So I, did, I gave yeah, my neighbour and, and, and her partner uh, a pair of tickets to see it. Yeah, and uh, she, by all so accounts, loved it. So, yeah. He looks good. I've heard very good things. I'm sure that mums across the land will love it. Number three. The our guest, be our guest, put ourselves to the test. Mulan. <laughs> hey, it ain't got Be no Szechuan sauce, man. But, oh my uh, god! Uh, just <laughs> come back, Rick and Morty. Uh, yeah, no. Beauty and the Beast. It's uh, still there. It's, it's still made all the money. Is it one point one billion now? It's made. Is, it it, is. is that, that what I figure now? It is. And deservedly so. We predicted this would make all the money in the world because it's not like it lacked for an audience. No. And to be fair, that audience has been catered for. Um, I, I would. So. I would argue that yeah. outside of that audience, maybe. It's going somewhat yeah. underserving. I don't know. It's uh, it's a funny thing now because I would argue this is it's kind of like the first of the big Disney nineties films mm-hmm. where like a lot of people of our age. Maybe we we have younger. some film news for that later, I believe. I'm I'm going to segue to it later on. So okay, I'm segue to it later on. And uh, yeah, it's it's strange. Like in the last week, more news has been coming up about the Aladdin remake, the Little Mermaid mm-hmm. reboot, the Lion King one, which we'll yep. get to. In a we bit. will get to that. Yes. But uh, no, I, I enjoyed being the beast. I liked it very much. Yeah. I, Josh Gad, so absolutely still, did. Still, he and Luke still, Evans, still, still, yeah. both of them, yeah. yeah, great. Um, but I say, I, I say that having seen the original to complete fatigue and just being completely sick of it, I took my sister, who exposed me to it that many times when I was a kid, along to the screening with me. She loved the hell out of it as well. So obviously, it works for someone like me who only basically likes the original, and well, I like it more as an adult yeah. now. Um, and someone like my sister, who just adores it and thinks it's one of the greatest films ever made, I do think it's an absolute rousing success of, a, of, of what it could have been. Number two. Cookies are for closers. The Boss Baby. <laughs> or, like, you know, Baby Jack Donaghy. <laughs> baby Jack Donaghy. Um, which is funnier than you'd expect. The problem is I think it falls apart as soon as it stops being the domesticated, you know, younger sibling comedy and it starts wanting to be, hey, no, we've got to do a generic adventure. Come on, people have bought the tickets. Yeah. We've got to give them some Don't 3D effects. This. and yeah. Like, no, I was enjoying the, the baby and the, the, the big brother arguing. That was fun. You know, go get me a spicy tuna roll. You know, I, I like that stuff. You know, give me more just Jack Donaghy gags, man. And and no, they, they they deny you though. They take it, they yank that away from you, and they force you <laughs> to go not on. Yours. Yeah, they force you to go on an animated adventure that you have no interest in, and some gump about puppies, and uh, and and yeah. 
And do you know what? At the end of it, though, Alec Baldwin is a lot of fun as the boss baby. And I'd imagine young kids will enjoy the hell out of it. Mm. Or well, they clearly are, because it's made, what, 2.06 million this last weekend. It's done all right. It's done all right. It's not done badly, has it? Number one. I don't have friends. I got family. Fast and Furious, right? <laughs> or oh, the fate of the Furious. It should be known everywhere. <laughs> our, our box office top ten comes from the BFI. So, you know, we, we get it as Fast and Furious 8. Kurt's I don't care. It's, it's still fate. Fate to me. It's fate, hashtag fate, 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 fate in my heart. Hashtag fate. Heart of the Furious. I bet you £9 that that is what the ninth form would be called. Heart of the Furious. Oh, man. No. <laughs> I am waiting for the, the last one's just going to be called Furious, but the IO is going to be a ten. Oh no, that's definitely going to happen. That's totally going to be that's it. That's totally going to be it. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be fast ten in space. You saw Fate the Furious, didn't you? You know I did. I you saw did. a midnight screening. You did indeed. So what yeah. did you, what did you think? Obviously, of it? you look at me, you think he's a fan of fast films. I do. Every time yeah. I look at you, I just think that is a guy who likes yeah. moronic car he's, movies. He's got nitrous in his car. <laughs> that's a guy with a body kit and a great spoiler mm. right yeah. there. Not a really sensible Ford Focus. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, yeah. No, I. I did like it. I liked it a lot because it's just it's dumb. It knows what it is. It's very self-aware. They've, yeah. they've got it down to a good formula now. Um, Kurt Russell shows up to be... Kurt Russell. <laughs> Kurt Russell. And downsides, uh, Dom. Not a fan in this one. I, I, I think removing him from the central cast actually shows you how dull a character he is. Exactly, yeah. I think he, he needs to be leading the team and have yeah. those people bolstered around him. And, and then... I mean, putting him to his own one side, which I'm sure is something he wanted, because it mm. gives him, like, a more... Well, it did give like, the character more to do. It does, but then again, it gives more, like, kind of unfair Barack and yeah. Jason Statham to lead the team, which is great. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and apparently we're going to get a bit more We're going to get a spin-off with those guys, which, come on, it's going to be amazing. Can I just point out, if we've got a spin-off that stars Dwayne Johnson... And Jason Statham and Charlize Theron. Why the hell do we need more Fast and Furious movies? Can't we just have that as a series? I would much rather have that as a series. Exactly. That means I never have to sit through Ludacris again. Oh, Ludacris Bridges. He has no character. What about Tyrese? Tyrese is a character. Roman is the best. <laughs> you know, He's incredible. That's it. I say Dwayne Johnson jumps ship at this point, goes off with Statham, and just periodically abducts different members of the cast to join him in different <laughs> adventures. Different adventures. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, let's talk then about Handsome Devil real quick, because uh, we're really rapidly running out of time this week. Um, Handsome Devil, which is this uh, this sort of small-scale Irish teen comedy, see, teen dramedy, from John Butler, who's directed a couple of low-level comedies over the last few years. Um, this one sees him re-team with Andrew Scott, because Andrew Scott was in The Stag, which was one of his films. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Scott turns up to be Andrew Scott, and reminds you how awesome Andrew Scott is. <laughs> employing his Andrew Scottness yeah. in the field of Andrew Scotting. <laughs> <laughs> in the field of Andrew Scott. <laughs> Not the Eddie Redmayne Award for Redmayne in an Eddie Redmayne picture. Yeah. Um, otherwise known as Best Actor 2015. But uh, it's, it's too soon. It's too, it's soon. too soon. I know. I still can't talk about it. But uh, yeah, so this is this is a story then of uh, two teenage boys. You've got Ned, who's a gay uh, outcast. He's a bit of an oddball. And it's all set in an Irish boarding school, by the way. And then uh, your new boy joins the school, uh, Connor, who is kind of a troublemaking rugby player. The pair are put together as roommates, unlikely roommates as it would be. And before long, they almost begrudgingly have this 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 unlikely friendship. They are the yin to one another's yang, sir. Their friendship sets tongues wagging at the school, as it were. And um, this is then complicated further by Ned discovering without uh, Connor knowing that Connor is in fact himself gay. So it sets up a whole new emotional art for the pair. Uh, we have a clip right here. A family member. I have this cousin whose name's Kevin, and I'm pretty sure he's destined for heaven. 
He's always spotlessly dressed, clean and neat and totally smooth. He likes to wear this fur-lined sheepskin jacket. Keep going, please. Start the same. My perfect cousin. He doesn't. That is what happens when you try to plagiarise in Andrew Scott's English class. He will whip out a speaker and play the song. Um, he's terrific, isn't it? He, he, will, he will play the undertones at you. He will. Um, or was it the undertones? I couldn't remember. Uh, it is indeed. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad I know you. Um, <laughs> Music teacher, away. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like having Shazam, but it's a person. Anyway. <laughs> And I don't mean the uh, I don't mean the Kareem Abdul Jabbar movie. I was going to say, like, if I yeah, yeah, you know that one that doesn't exist. Anyway, um, <laughs> right. So beside the point, uh, Andrew Scott obviously shows up to remind you that he's a national treasure, that nobody can out Andrew Scott, Andrew Scott in the field of Andrew Scotting. You've got uh, Fillion O'Shea who plays Ned. I think he's genuinely terrific in this movie. Um, I think he's the standout performer. I think he really walks away with it. There is a charm to him that I found. Uh, I found quite refreshing. Fionn O'Shea, sorry. But the other boy, uh, Nicholas uh, Galazine, I think his name is, mm. He's, I think he's going to get the, the plaudits. There's something a little bit more classical the, about him. The kudos. The kudos. There's something quite tra- more traditional a lead about him, and I think he will get the kudos from it. Um, Mo Dunford from Vikings shows up, though, as uh, the coach, the rugby team coach, who's sort of the antagonist of the piece. Um, and he does bring depth to what could otherwise have been quite a stock character. Um, only thing I'll say about it is this. I was really invested in uh, the character side of it. I thought it handled itself really well. I think it was really sharply written, quite intimately directed. It fell apart for me periodically when it became a bit candified. It became a bit Hollywood. It took narrative turns into, well, let's just do what the Americans would do in their big budget American version. You're like, well, yeah, yeah, but I am watching the, you know, the stripped down Irish version. I I really, I don't need, yeah, I I really don't need that. Hmm. So please, please take it away. Can can we go back to having Sing Street with gayness, as it were? Because that's what this is. If you took the musical element away from Sing Street and introduced an element of sexuality instead, Mm. you'd have this. Just a touch of of gayness. A touch of gayness, yeah. Yeah. You'd have this. That's basically this movie. Might have been my first book. (laughs) Exactly. And... I, I, would, I was absolutely sold on that idea alone, but it's the need to take its periodic turns into Hollywoodish territory that do prevent it from being something excellent. It's very good, but it could have been excellent. It could have been Sing Street excellent. Which is great. I love that film. Everybody needs Sing Street, and this could have been the sexuality equivalent of Sing Street. As it is, it's not, though. It just feels like the sexuality equivalent of school ties instead. Remember that? <laughs> no. School ties? Exactly. Had a no, young, I, I, do, I do a bit, actually. Had a young athlete in it. Yes. But, uh, and, oh, of course, I, and of course, you know, Brennan Fraser, back, back when you could still get a lead. Oh, role. old Enchino uh, man. Yeah, yeah, old, old, uh, old Brenny Fraser. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back in Dancing Mr. Allen. So, give me some film news real quick. What you got for me? So, we'll stick with uh, Disney, because we'll talk about Disney a little bit uh-huh. today. Um, let's talk about this here Lion King film. That there Lion King That there Lion King. Do you remember it? From the 90s? I dimly recall. <laughs> there, there once was a decade known as the 90s. 
<laughs> and in it, awesome things happened. Yeah. Also Tony Blair. Also Tony Blair, also Oasis. Yeah. Hey. And, uh, anyway, moving back to Disney. So, yeah, uh, the Lion King live-action version is coming. It's got release dates. It's going to be summer... 2019. 2019, July, I believe. Uh, also July. So, um, Donald Glover is going to be Simba, which is amazing. They want Beyonce for Nala, don't they? Uh, yeah, and I think well. if, if you can't get Beyonce because she's obviously... Prego and one up, and it, it's a it's a voice role. I mean, you know, just, yeah, just do it. In the, come, come on, Bay, just do it from your hospital bed. You'll be fine. <laughs> get some painkillers. You'll be like, uh, yeah, walk it off. Walk it I off. I think I think if you can't get Beyonce, get Janelle Monae. Oh yes, that would work. That oh, she would work. Yeah. Mm. Uh, James Earl Jones is returning for Mufasa because it's like. Because why not? How do you recast? How do you top that? Yeah, how do you top that? You how, can't. How? Yeah, exactly. Morgan um, Freeman. Do you know what? Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, Morgan Freeman yeah. is the only if other James person can't do it. You get Morgan yeah. Freeman. That, those are the only two. Yeah, only two ever you can get from Mufasa. Absolutely. Uh, news broke yesterday that uh, Timon and Pumba. Who we I got? Who we got? Who we got? I really like this. Um, Timon and Pumba are going to be uh, Billy Eichner as, as Billy, Billy on the street. Billy Eichner. Billy on the street. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Seth Rogen is going to be Pumba, which is amazing. That's amazing. Which is, which is great. Which is great. They have just... starred together before, though, haven't they? Isn't he his? Isn't he Seth Rogen's real estate agent in one of the Neighbors movies? One of the Bad Neighbors movies. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if he is. Um, I think he's uh, Chloe Grace uh, Moretz's estate agent. Oh yeah, he, he's he's definitely in it. He, he's he's the estate agent in one of them. Yeah, right? Seth Rogen has been on uh, Billy on the Street though. Oh, so he has. They, yes, they yes, do. Yes. They do have a history. I think they would work really, really well together. Um, I've been like, I've been casting that film in my head, and I don't know if I'm going to be pretty close because I I actually had Seth Rogen down for one of the hyenas. Really? Yeah. So I feel like I feel like I'm in I'm in the ballpark. You, you know who needs to be one of the hyenas? Who? Johnny Legs. Johnny Legs would be amazing. Johnny Legs needs to be all yep. the hyenas. And then for the female one. I would say uh, Kristen uh, Schaal from uh, Last Man on Earth. Oh yes, that is good yeah. casting. So obviously, she does loads of voice work. She's really yeah. She and she she would just she would suit that down to the ground. Uh, Scar Tom Edelson. totally, totally. Because he's <laughs> just totally. He's 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 like the new Jeremy's Iron, isn't he? Who's who's the flying bird advisor in the Lion King? Uh, Zazu. I've Zazu. got one for Zazu. Go on, as well. you got, You're going to love this. Zach Woods. Ooh, yes, that from, is from good. Because yeah. I think that they're going for that kind of that yeah. kind of actor, aren't they? Either Rafiki, Rafiki. Who you, yeah, who you got for Rafiki? Go on, Jackie Chan. No, okay, Saul Guerrero himself. Oh man, that is good. That is really yeah. good. For Swisker, uh, who was the last one we had uh, down? Um, Simba's mum. Yeah, uh, Viola Davis. Okay, yeah, I yeah. can see that. Yeah, that's that's what I would say, and I'll. Yeah. You'll bet money. I, 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 I would bet, I'll bet money okay. on Tom Hiddleston. Y- you heard it here first, then. Case has predicted these things. Case is surprisingly good with predicting these things. I said Brie Larson like two years before she was Captain Marvel. You did, although I can't help but think you were just reeling off your, your own personal fantasy list. That's but, a good point, uh, yeah. <laughs> the same reason, same reason Char- that I cast... Charles from Jaws, uh, Brie Larson. That's why I cast Adelie Tipton for everything in yes, my head. Yeah. Exactly why. It's not that she's a particularly great actress, it's just uh, I would like to see her yeah. given the chance to be a particularly great actress. But yeah, but, that's, that's what I would say, but I'm really, really happy with uh, Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen. I am as well. Oh, I can't wait for that. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. And that's from John Favreau-directed uh, Jungle Book. Yes, uh, I've got more uh, live-action Disney News, but we'll talk about it in podcast extras. In in off case. In off, off case. In my brand new spin-off show, off case. Off case. <laughs> case off. Oh, oh my god. 
God. Oh, man. How have we never thought of I don't know. I don't know how that's, we have that's done a, it. That's a poster that needs that to be That is a poster. Made. We mock up, so you're, you'll take the Nicholas Cage half of the poster, well, naturally. Course, yeah, I'll naturally. take the Travolta half, we'll call it Case Off. Case off. And a John Who production. Uh, John Who. <laughs> Mis- misdirected Woo. Misdirected Woo, which is all John Woo films. Yeah. Um, okay, so final review for the of the radio edit then. Um, Heal the Living, which is, wow, just brace yourself for this one, because they screened this for us straight after Guardians of the Galaxy, and you could not ask for a more different, uh, different experience if mm. you tried. This is a French ensemble drama from uh, Catel Quilavert, Kilavere, I want to say. Um, she directed Love Like Poison. And what this takes the form of is the story of a 19-year-old surfer boy who gets into a car accident on his way home from, from the beach one day and is declared brain dead. He is put onto life support, as it were. It's then, as his family trying to decide what to do with him, um, it's discovered that he is an exact uh, match for a transplant patient who is waiting a new heart. And obviously this opens up you know, new emotional avenues, things to explore. Um, yeah, so you can kind of see why this might lend itself to tear-jerking, heart-string-pulling, no pun intended, uh, uh, drama. And, uh, yeah, this one's going to take you through the ringer. It, believe it or not, there is such a thing as a film being too emotional. And this is a really great example of it. This is one of those where the characters are insanely well-written. Mm. There are something like nine central characters. Each one is given unbelievable definition. Each one more emotional than the last. Each one more emotional than the last, and each one given a full emotional range and a full emotional character arc. So that by the end of this film, you come away and you're like, wow, that was actually physically draining, because you can only emotionally react for so long before it takes mm. a toll and uh, this is very much one of those it does have I mean, it's a great central performance for instance from Emmanuel uh, Senior um, who plays the mum plays uh, Simon the, the, the boy on Last Sports mum um, a great cast across the world but I think she stands out more than anyone um, it is a just beautifully shot film just stunning film I think I sent you the screening link for I've, this. I've not watched it, but I've seen pictures mm. from it. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah. gorgeous looking. Uh, but also, really, really well written, really insightfully written. Everything that could be explored is explored. There's literally no narrative or emotional stone left unturned in this. So when you've got a film that is shot this well, that is written this mm. well, that is acted this well... Can I just say, uh, that emotional stone sounds like a really bad tribute band for Fleetwood Mac. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? <laughs> emotional stone. <laughs> emotional stone plays the hits of Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> Well, yeah. um, but like I say, this it, it is just it 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 it's a victim of its own success. It's actually too emotional. I know that's hor- <laughs> it's an awful thing to be able to say. I it's said that about Blue Valentine. Yeah, it, it's the same kind of thing, actually. Yes, yeah. I, but, fe- I feel too much about. But this. Imagine Blue Valentine multiplied by five. Or, oh yeah, multiplied by nine actually because there's nine central characters. Imagine that. Deep Blue Valentine. Uh, Deep Blue Valentine. Yeah, and. <laughs> Does the shark jump out from the background and eat some? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I say a fantastic film, but you have to just go in prepared to be taken through the ringer, and you are going to be physically exhausted as a result. So that's entirely possible. But uh, it is not our film of the week, though. I think we oh, know. I think we know what's got to be film of the week, which is then mm. their guardians, man. Guardians of the space. Yep, those the, the protectors of the space. Protectors of the space uh, al- wars. Album the second. <laughs> yeah. And 
Yeah, I we are Groot. You know that that's that, that's it. You know we are Groot, but go and be Groot in the screen the first chance you can get because that is the place to be Groot. Yeah, you and, can't be Grooter. Did home. I say in the review by the way that Baby Groot is amazing? I think that was just implied. Yeah, Baby Groot's awesome. <laughs> implied, Lisa? I'm in blow. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely implied. But, yeah. uh, no, so I, I, I absolutely loved the heck out of it. Could not ask it to have been better than it was. Um, I went to, to Sainsbury's yesterday, saw so much Baby Groot merchandise. Oh, I got so an email of Build-A-Bear Workshop. Oh, they're doing a special... They are doing yeah. a, a regular size rocket yeah. and a little baby group that sits on his shoulder. That's adorable. Uh, which you can buy separately as well, so... Go, go figure. Yeah, go figure. In fact, no, go to the bank first. <laughs> yeah, go to the bank first, withdraw money, then go figure. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> fun to be had. So what do we have uh, next week? Well, next week is... Half the films for next week we've already been shown. Yeah, I've, um, I've already seen one. This is mad. I'm ahead of the pack. You, you have. You've this actually seen one. Yeah. Um, so, incidentally, we're not going to be reviewing this, but Sunday is the release of Mad Max Fury Road Black, uh, Black and White and Chrome, or Black and Chrome. Oh, I didn't realise it had a release date. That's Sunday it comes out. Oh, so maybe Sunday we should, we should talk about the podcast extras, just to- we Any excuse to talk about yeah. uh, We've got Burden next week. Don't know too much about that one. Citizen Jane, which is uh, the story of uh, Jane Johnson taking on uh, city planning in, I think it was the 60s, I'm not sure. Um, I've got more research to do on that anyway. I've not written a review yet, clearly. Okay. Uh, but yes, yeah, all about... But learn uh, more next week. I will learn more next week, as I will of A Dog's Purpose, the latest by Lasse Holstrom. <laughs> and. Yeah, is, I, is it actually pronounced Lassie? Because if it is, that's oh my that's god, perfect meeting of material and director. It's, it's Lasse, isn't it? Lasse, Lasse. Holstrom. No, not Lassie. Lassie, Holstrom. come home. Lassie, come home. <laughs> Lassie, come Holmstrom. <laughs> oh. oh man, that is good. That's Lassie's new name. Uh, we've also got, of course, Mindhorn next week, which we've both we've seen, seen for yeah. a change. And we've got Sleepless, the, the Jamie Foxx one-night-long rampage. Actually, it was a remake of a French movie called Sleepless Nights. Right. So, yeah, no. I've, I've seen the poster. I'll, I might watch the film. We'll see. We'll see uh, if we're doing something else. That poster, incidentally, contains a frankly whopping spoiler about the plot. You would not believe it. I didn't it. think it was a spoiler. I just thought, my God, that is a terrible, yet yeah, amazing tagline. <laughs> yeah, and yet it's a spoiler. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we've got all those to come and more next week off-screen. In the meanwhile, this has been a Caddy on screen. I've been Vanka. Uh, I've been grouped. And we'll be back next week. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Okay, Podcast extra bits, Ben. Ben. <laughs> okay, Mr. Allen, what you got for me first? Um... How about a double dose of uh, Fresh Prince news? Fresh Prince news? Fresh Prince news. News They're not rebooting the that, they? No. But but Michael were, B. Jordan who? can't be in everything. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's better than just getting Jaden, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> I would rather see Willow Smith being like a reboot of... The Fresh Princess the Fresh, of Bella. Like, actually, how has that not happened yet? Actually, yeah, because they did Girl Meets World. How have they go. not done, like, the Fresh Princess Fresh of Bella, Princess. which Willow Smith, yeah. Yeah. And then, like, every now and again, Will will show up. Yeah. yeah. I feel like you could do it the other way. The Fresh Princess of Philadelphia, and the idea is a rich little girl goes to, you know, yep. Philadelphia. And, yeah. Something's happened with her family or whatever, or... Yeah, rich, rich family are, are no longer in the picture, and she goes and lives with the, the poor family in Philadelphia and learns to play b-ball, uh, which, you know, spend most yeah. of the days, and, and yeah. That's but, what needs to happen. <laughs> let's let's call the fat cats in Hollywood. His name was Uncle Phil. He's no longer with us. Oh yeah, I miss James Avery. I know, I do as well. Yeah. You know, one of his final roles was in a Star Trek. 
Really? Yeah. Huh. He starred nice. in the Star Trek... Not, I actually was Star Trek Enterprise by that point. It was mm. just Enterprise reviews, and they added Star Trek later. Um, he starred in a two-part episode of Enterprise that finally explained why the Klingons look different in Kirk's era to... What, why, why was the difference? Uh, it's a genetic aberration caused by a virus originating from Khan's DNA. There oh, you go. right. Mm-hmm. Two-part episode. Pesky Seriously. Calm. There was a two-part episode devoted to that explanation. Nice. But, uh, Back to my Will Smith news. Go on. This is not The Fresh Princess, which has just been greenlit. Okay. <laughs> in your mind. In my mind. In the movie studio, in my mind. Um, so he's in talks for a film called Gemini Man, which... Is he in talks for that? He's in talks about, which is amazing, right? Because this is how fast some things can move sometimes. Gem- Gemini Man... Basically came around uh, last week in the news cycle. It did. Uh, it's yeah. going to be some misdirected woo. It is not. It's going to be. I'm I'm angry. You want to like me when I'm angry? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. I think it was twenty years ago that, that John Woo was attached. Uh, when it was Disney. He I think. actually does sound like like a John Woo thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, at one point Clint Eastwood was attached to Star mm-hmm. Mel Gibson was because this is a thing that Mel Gibson would have done twenty years ago. We should explain why this is why this this project is so cool. Yeah, I will, I will leave that to you, sir. Because it's an action movie in which the world's greatest hitman has to face his greatest enemy, a younger clone of himself. Him, which sounds great. Well, the reason it never took off all those years is because they could never figure out how to do it. And now we have a technology we can be building, we can make him younger. Exactly. Yeah, a la Michael Douglas in Ant-Man. In Ant-Man. A la Robert Downey Jr. A la Jeff Bridges in Tron Legacy. But... Hopefully better than that. Hopefully better than that. Technology has moved on since that film. Well, I had, I had, I had a conversation with our friend Will, who I think you've met. Yes. Um, uh, the other night about, he, he was raving about the, uh, the the Peter Cushing thing in Rogue One. Mm. And my thing was, well, actually, it didn't really do it for me. I thought I, I, It felt too awkward for me. There, there was parts where it was a bit too... Yeah, yeah disembodied. Like, like it, it was, was. It felt it was, disembodied. Yeah. It didn't feel like an actual person yeah. was there. For, for the most part, I was fine with it. it didn't, I was fine, It didn't yeah, but, upset me or anything. Hmm. But uh, we shall see. Skydance, the studio behind it, seemed to think they have the technology in the right place to do the a answer, film. The answer, yeah. So, yeah, but Will Smith then. I could see that working. I could totally see that. And it'd be nice to see him working with someone like Ang Lee. And I know that mm. obviously the last Ang Lee film, it wasn't what everyone wanted. Ang but... Lee action movie. Yeah. Mm. Yes, please. This intrigues me. Because, like, I always, I always think Ang Lee is a director very much like, uh, like Jonathan Demi, actually. Yep. Who obviously sadly passed away today. Just really, really eclectic. Non, no, like, no two of his films are the same. Well, Ang Lee really. goes away for a few years and he comes back and gives you Life of Pi. And you're like, well, okay, wow, thanks for that. I didn't even know I needed that in yeah. my life, but now I'm so glad I did. Yeah, it was just like, this <clears> is where it was. I've been <throat> in a warehouse, a green screen warehouse for yeah. four years. Like, here's a story of Did you miss my, me? My, my only company was just like a stick, but I had to pretend it was a tiger. Like, you, probably <laughs> didn't, your you probably didn't think you missed me, but here's a touching young story. Here's a touching story yeah. of a young boy and a tiger. That was a great film. It was, wasn't I it? Really I really, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I think that is my favourite use of 3D, actually. Oh, no, mine is. Don't say Avatar. We'll have to. We'll find oh, Avatar. I hate when people say that. Avatar? You ever say. I've, I've had so many conversations when people are like, now, I don't like 3D. I really don't. But Avatar is the best use of freedom I've ever seen. And I'm just like... Die yeah. already. <laughs> uh, no, my favourite ever film in 3D is one of the first I ever saw. It was one of the first... Um... Is it Jackass 3D? No. Because that is actually generally really good 3D. <laughs> no, the first three films I saw in 3D are, to this day, some of the best uses of the technology I've ever seen. Mm. Those were, <clears throat> and no judgement, because I'm not talking about the quality of the film, I'm talking about the use of the 3D. Yeah. Uh, they were Journey uh, to the Centre of the Earth, the Brenner Fraser yeah. one. 
Brilliant use of 3D. Mm-hmm. Loved the hell out of it. Um, they were U2 3D, the concert movie, ah, which I'm was astounding. Had the lyrics whizzing around uh, Bono's head. Hmm. And you kind of wish, just hit him once. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Instead of just like his own self-importance. Which yeah. Is yeah. His yeah. own sense of self-importance was actually put into text and whizzed that, around. That's why he wears his glasses. That's why, yeah. Just in case. Well, so safety can, goggles. Yeah. Yeah. And the other one was, and I still think this is my favourite ever, My Bloody Valentine 3D starring Jensen oh Ackles. Yeah, I forgot all about that. That movie yeah. rocks. I own the 3D Blu-ray to this day. And anyone who ever asks me in my house... Is the 3D actually any good? I was go, no, but it can be good on occasion. Here's my bloody Valentine 3D. Actually, put the glasses I would, on I would yeah. want to watch it at yours. We should do that at some We point. should do that one day. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, it's a mark of a quality film, a quality 3D film, where you have to put 3D in the title. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a la Piranha 3DD. Yeah, exactly. A yeah. la A Very Howl and Kumar 3D Christmas. Oh, I love just how, like, Everything is 3D. Here's a yeah. candy cane. In 3D. <laughs> I know. It's so good, isn't it? Yeah, that's really great. So, it's a very yeah, cool. lovely day that for it... you to die. <laughs> um, yeah, that is my first piece of the William Smith news. William Smithington. William Smithington of the Philadelphia Smithingtons. Of the Philadelphia Smithingtons, yeah, of course. Uh, the second is, he is in talks, and I think this might actually be confirmed now, uh, to be uh, the genie in no, Did we not have that last week? Oh, no, we didn't. We were we off last here week. last week, which oh, is yeah. why I'm talking about it now. <clears throat> Sorry, completely slept my mind. It's quite right. Uh, yes, he's, yeah. he's, apparently was, they wanted Kevin Hart first. Yeah. I bet you are over the That's moon about insane, that. That's insane, isn't it? No, I'd, I, I would be fine with Kevin Hart. Um, it's just, it's mad, isn't it, that they go to Kevin Hart first and then Will Smith. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah. Because Kevin, Kevin Hart is the size of a thimble. Yeah, funnily enough, I was just going to mention Kevin it's Hart like, a minute ago when we were talking about de-aging. Um, in uh, Central Intelligence, it was hmm. a similar kind of thing. They de-aged uh, Kevin Hart, didn't they, at the very beginning? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That actually did, works really well. That, and, that, and you didn't really notice. It just looked like it could have been practical makeup. Or, yeah. yeah, I did I did generally think it was practical makeup. And uh, no, CGI mm-hmm. wizardry. Um, I think Kevin Hart has been offered something else by Disney, but I feel like that might be another reason why. What role in Dumbo has he taken? <laughs> 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 He's not been a crow. <laughs> Can I show you? No. I, funnily enough, I was talking to my cousin the other day, and she, she's a big Disney fan. And she was saying she'd been to see Beauty and the Beast and she loved it. And I said, oh, yeah, we've got all these movies to come now. We've got mm. Aladdin and Dumbo and blah, blah, And uh, I said, yeah, well, obviously Dumbo, they have to change certain things. Certain things. She's like, what one? Well, you know, like The Crows. She goes, why? But, well, I, I don't know if you've ever <laughs> noticed. it was a different time and yeah. it wasn't good. <laughs> they, they come from a decidedly different era. Yeah. And, yeah, no one needs to see that mm. done. Although, you know, Terry Crews could pull that off. I'm just saying. Terry Crews could do that dialogue verbatim and we'd think it was hilarious. You'd just be like, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not challenging Terry yeah. Crews. I'm never calling Speed Terry Crews. Speak to Terry Crews control. It's <laughs> amazing. Terry um, Crews of the New York Cruises. <laughs> I think if Kevin Hart is going to be in a live action Disney film, mm. and they've not announced this one yet, but you know. The Jiminy Cricket spin off movie. That'd be great as well. Actually, he would be a good Jiminy Cricket. He'd be a really, he'd be a great Jiminy Cricket. Oh man, yeah. let me change it into mine. No, um, the, um, the character that Diane DeVito plays in Hercules. Philatetes. Okay, can I be really honest with you and tell you that I do not remember the Disney animated Hercules? You need to watch it. It I is will. great. I will. I, I remember I James Woods. I generally, yeah, exactly. I generally think you would go back and be watching and be like, mm. this is I will amazing. watch it. I will watch it. Yeah. There is a list of kids' movies that have surpassed me. I just I don't have any memory of that I need to see again. Because you're, um, you're a few years older than me, so I think there might have been a period where well, you flew under your radar. What's on that list? Uh, is it Road to El Dorado or something? That one I've never seen. Yeah, I'm that, told that, I need that to was re-watch one that. of the first uh, DreamWorks ones. Yeah. 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 I need to rewatch that. I have never seen. That's pretty the, good. I've never seen A Little Princess or The Secret Garden. 
So both great. Both both great. Both will okay. uh, make you crumble inside. That's what I've been told. Yeah, um, and of course, Hercules, uh, Swan, and, Swan Princess. What else is there? I've not seen Swan Princess. Uh, Anastasia. I've, I've seen, seen. I've seen uh, Anastasia. Anastasia's Anastasia. great. Yeah. Uh, I've also seen Thumbelina. Don Bluth's Thumbelina. <laughs> Whatever happened to Don Bluth? He just stopped making films. One. Did he die? I'm not sure. I feel like I feel like he might have. He might have because like the, yeah. he used to play like one animated film every two years. Yeah, um, he, he obviously did all the all dogs go to heaven. What's the mouse one? Oh, oh! Why is it just gone an American Tale? Yeah, American. Oh, why is it? An, why an American Tale too? Five all goes west. Yeah, exactly. Which we all I'm know is the superior film. Apparently, when I was five, I looked a lot like Five Old. Which is weird. <laughs> Somebody once said that to me. I was like, yeah, yeah, I can kind of do that. You look like a mouse in a flat cap. Yeah, I just wore a flat cap when I was four or five. <laughs> I, wore, I wore a flat cap to yeah. go with my giant mouses. <laughs> Obviously, you're you're not really. I mean, you are from the north, but. I'm barely a northerner. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Whereas I, I'm, I'm more of a psychologically transplanted alien. But <laughs> that's an angly film. At all. <laughs> psychologically transplanted alien, an angly uh, film in 3D. Uh, yeah, starring uh, I, I don't know Harrison Ford, but uh, <laughs> starring some other guy as well. Starring um, some guy, okay. some guy in Gabo. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, so many Simpsons references oh, in all yeah. of our shows. Shall I go do a quick review? Can I do Resilience real quick? I, um, yeah, it's pronounced uh, Resilience. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, this is uh, actually quite a serious film. This is a 60-minute long documentary from James Redford, a.k.a. Son of Son of Robert. And uh, spoiler <laughs> of, alert, the, of the California Redfords. Of the California Redfords. Yeah. And he looks exactly like his dad. It's, it's creepy. So he looks like Brad Pitt then. Yeah, so you know, he's, he's clearly older than Brad Pitt, right. or the same age, but actually looks his age. So you know, not like Brad Pitt, who's you know, like fifty-five and looks about thirty still. Mm. Um, but we say this. Um, What's name plays Melinda Main Agents of Shield? Ooh, oh, I can't oh man, that's going to drive me mad. She's fifty-three today. Hmm. That woman is fifty. Mulan, you know who I mean? Yeah. Mulan. She's fifty-three years old today, and she still looks. Young and sexy. Still got it. She's still got it. Oh, yeah. But, I, I mean, not because I spend, you know, every week on a Marvel TV show watching her in a black leather cat suit, but that's just part of the point. Um, anyway. You, uh, you digress. So. I, I had a point somewhere. And, oh, yeah, sorry. We were talking about a, a touching documentary about uh, adverse childhood uh, experiences. Uh, yeah. So this is the idea of this James Redford documentary, that it studies the link between Ace, um, ACEs and which are adverse childhood experiences and adult illnesses. So the idea of you had a traumatic childhood, this can lead to detrimental health benefits in your adult years. Mm. So at one point, this is actually exemplified by with it, with certain examples. For instance, if you are a child who grows up in a rough neighborhood and you are accustomed to, for instance, hearing gunshots, that creates a, a you know a, a, you get accustomed, accustomed to a certain fight or flight response. So this could mean that later in life you have trouble focusing and concentrating on things, which makes sense to a degree. Mm. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, there's also a correlation between victims of childhood sexual abuse have links to, in later life, weight gain, for instance. A dietician noticed this and apparently made a case for it. 
And the idea behind it all is that this is an emerging science. It's not really a thing yet. It is emerging. It's being sort of accepted slowly into the mainstream. We get to meet the people who pioneered it in the 90s, and the woman who is currently pioneering it now is a woman, a pediatrician named Nicole Burke Harris, who, um, I tell you, if they could not have asked for a better spokesperson because they found this woman who happens to be really articulate and fun and sweet and empathetic and also really photogenic. And you're thinking, wow, you, you literally found yourself a poster child. Wow, okay. <laughs> and uh, she takes over the second half of this documentary, but the problem with it all is it makes its point in the first ten minutes and then doesn't bother to elaborate on that point. It just keeps reiterating it. Um, it does the blackfish thing of, here's a story, but we'll never give you the other side. And, you know, no one's ever going to call blackfish a bad film. I wouldn't call this particularly bad film either. But it just lacks a counterbalance. Even if it's just someone to periodically pop up and very ignorantly say, yeah, this is all wrong. That's you know, just just give them the opportunity to do Whose that. Whose voice was that? I, I don't know. I think I was going Mitch McConnell. Yeah. but yeah, I, <laughs> I was going either Mitch McConnell or Steve Bannon. I have no idea. Um, I'm not slime. <laughs> I couldn't pull off. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to slime to hand to pull off Steve Bannon. But, uh, <laughs> we need more slime over here. <laughs> <laughs> Good in there, Bannon juice. Bannon juice? <laughs> that's, what, that's what they based him with. Before anyway, we keep going off topic today. Hence <laughs> uh, for skin. Yes, yeah. exactly. Anyway. <laughs> they have to lubricate the Bannon skin to keep it on his skeletal <laughs> physique. <laughs> it lubricates my Bannon skin. <laughs> or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> so, but, uh, so you liked it? I, I liked it for the most part. I do think that it, without a counterbalance, though, it did leave it did leave something to be desired. Um, having said that, this is still such a new form of medical research that if you want to watch something on the subject, you know, something mainstream, really, this is kind of the only game in town. You know, I mean, I mean, having said that, Redford himself, he's made quite a, a polished product. It's very, it's very aesthetically pleasant. There's some really impressive animation that get used to, to show certain scenarios. It's a very Helvetica-enhanced affair, if you follow my drift. Mm. Um, and yeah, it is very polished, very refined. I expect nothing else of the son of uh, Sir Robert of Redford. And, uh, I mean, this, this played at Sundance, I mean, go figure. I mean, I mean, shocker! The competition to get into Sundance is so <laughs> so fierce. I mean, it's really impressive that he uh, sort of managed to get this in. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> it plays more as a PSA than a film. But it's in no way anything less than a, than a solid effort. Mm. I did I did learn things. I really did. Um, I even took the uh, the Aces test afterwards because you can take the test and it gives you your score on the Aces spectrum. Huh. And, uh, I think I'm have to look on that. We? You and I have similar enough backgrounds that I could probably mm. estimate we're about the same. A yeah. five, incidentally, if you're wondering. Hey, most people use the same a five. Like most things. So. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> hey, at the very least, I'm interesting looking. <laughs> <laughs> to quote Zach I, Raff, I have I have character, but uh, uh, yeah, it's all it's all about the charisma. Anyway, anyway so, yeah, news me, sir. Uh, let's let's stick with Disney again because this week Disney would basically had a like, busy week. Have they? We were just yeah. like here are all of our wares. You're going to see them all because we own you now. Well, they do. Yeah, we own you. You own your life. We own you. Your your everything. everything What's you. that? Your your movie posters are all made by Disney now, and all your children's toys are as well. Mm. And all the movies you see. Your and children love. now work for the Disney Corporation. <laughs> exactly. Your children are just a ride. Please please report to <laughs> our the, Chinese sweatshop at seven a.m. Exactly. Yeah, but just like the. What's, what's the really annoying ride? It's a small world. 
Is a small yeah, world after your all. Your kids are just going to be on, but right, just yeah. Can I just ask, by the Go. way, because you know this thing about pop culture saturation, where if, so, if a certain thing is parodied enough, it transplants the actual original source material. So, a case in point for me, case is um, is that uh, whenever I get exposed to Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory, I instead of the Umpa Lumpa song, mm. I without meaning to sing, one. sing the Family yeah. Guy one, the Chumba Wumba song. Mm. Uh, which and and also uh, what's the one? Oh yeah, a pure imagination. Yes, yeah, I do the Family Guy version for that as well. Pure inebriation. Yes, yeah. Until you've reached that pure inebriation. Yeah, and yeah, because it's really it's really great. Exactly. Yeah. I'm a I'm a cause man, silver bullet. Yeah. <laughs> well, is the small world after all has the same thing for me with Duff Gardens? Oh, Duff beer for me, Duff beer for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I am the Lizard Queen. <laughs> I love that episode so like one of my favourite ever Simpsons yeah. ones. Where he's like wearing the beer goggles. Yes. Yeah. Oh, sounds like, oh, look at this ride. A bench. <laughs> Which is how I'm going to be when I have kids, I feel. <laughs> While we were rescuing your daughter, Hoodlum's made off with three bumper cars. <laughs> oh, remember that's, the Simpsons that's, is good. That's not the Bort episode, though, is it? Bort episode is where we go to Itchy and Scratchy Land. Yes, yes. Come yeah. along, Bort. Yeah. Yes. Well, nothing could possibly go wrong. That's the first thing that's ever gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> As it was, I met possibly. <laughs> cool. Uh, more news, more news. We're going to stick with Disney. Uh, yep. Disney, we're basically just like, yeah, here are all of our films we've got coming up. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see them all. We're going to have all of your lovely, lovely money. No Tron 3 in there, no Split. No Tron 3. No. No Tron. Is it, should we call it? No Tron 3 Gacy. Oh, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, terrible. But uh, obviously, Indy Five we know was happening in the Anagonians. Yes, yeah, it was it two thousand nineteen originally, and now it's... it's now been pushed back a year. Mm. Which is like I went on to Harrison Ford's Wikipedia page today. Okay, because I was generally curious to see how old he was. He is currently seventy four. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This next one's coming out in twenty twenty. He will be seventy seven years old. Yeah. Maybe even older because I. Well, yeah. yeah. Wow. I didn't see when his birthday was, but yeah, he he will be he'll be pushing on 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 eighty. He'll be knocking on eighty. Wow. Which is just, just just leave it at the three films that we have. Yes, That's right. exactly. The Let's films, leave it at the three. The three films. Yeah, that we the three have. films that we. So have. it was that, and then the sequel that I am actually looking forward to, and they seem to be as well because they pushed it forward a month. Uh, Cars three. No, although I am actually weirdly looking forward to. Oh, it. do shut up, what? case. All right, look forward to it. Is is too strong a term? I feel like not. I'm willing to tolerate it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's because John Lasseter is not directing this one. Okay, They're giving it to someone else. It actually sounds like a pretty interesting story. Um, Isn't it the plot yeah. of Rocky Three? Exactly, exactly. Rocky Three with cars. What about that? Sounds bad. Okay, fair. What enough. about that? Sounds bad. Fair enough. No, I'm gonna uh, go the that. film I was referring to was uh, Wreck-It Ralph Two. Or Ralph Breaks the Internet. Ah, yeah. Uh, it's supposed to come out uh, April of next year, hmm. which I didn't. Yeah, that's pretty soon. I thought it was like 2019. Yeah, I thought that too. So next year, and now it's going to be coming out uh, March 2018. Huh? Which is ace. That that is. So we get Black Panther February, Wreck-It Ralph March. Yeah, I Disney think new all over. It. When you saw the the release dates lined up, Disney have a lot out in a really short amount of time, and it's and they're all quality brands as well. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Well, isn't okay. is Han Solo? Mm, and so next summer, isn't it? No, it's, ne- it's not next summer. That, that release date got shelled. Didn't get pushed to Christmas. Is well, a rumor? Was Han Solo it was Christmas now? Well, Han Solo. No, it's not summer, but it's not confirmed to be Christmas either. It's going to be Christmas. It's be Christmas. <laughs> totally yeah. Christmas. But haven't they dated Star Wars Episode Nine for a which summer? Which is my release? next one? Yeah, which is strange. 
Because so far they've got Christmas sewn up. Because obviously the last yeah. few Christmases we had... Come on, four, guys. Just have, it at, Christmas. just have it at Christmas. Everyone likes it at Christmas now. Exactly. Be, it's our thing now. Be the Lord of the Rings for this generation. Do you know, like, when we went to see Lord of the Rings every Christmas, mm. like, early 2000s, I loved Or Harry Potter movies for a couple of years. We had that for, for, a couple first, years, for the first that was, that was two. Around, yeah. yeah, They were Christmas films. Yeah, I like, I like that. I like having my really big. I know that that one massive film that every other studio is terrified about. Let it be Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, you mean like this year when Fox unleashed the cinematic juggernaut that was Assassin's Creed? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Good one. But that, got, but that got pushed back to like New Year's Day, didn't it? It did. Yes, and they were cagey about who saw it. Go figure. Yeah. But- to, to this date, the brownest film I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> the brownest film you've ever seen. Just just in terms of like the colour palette. Uh, okay, that's fair, that's fair. Yeah. I wasn't making a racial thing. Okay. Then. I don't think you were talking about like dear white people or anything. No, I wasn't at all. Well, I was just like literally incidentally, the, sc- the screen looks very dark and murky. It, incidentally that series starts on Netflix on Friday this week. It does, yeah. There was a lot of uh Negativity around it. A lot of it. negativity. Noticeably by people who had no idea what the plot of it was. Yeah, there was a lot of uh uh Supporters of a certain president that were saying, <laughs> "I can't believe that they've got a show called Dear White People." By the way, yeah, ridiculous. I blew my mind this morning. I was watching Agents of Shield in the gym this morning, and technology, technology for you, yeah. <laughs> but uh, and uh, there is a moment I, I could not believe they did this. Marvel stuck a not very thinly guys Trump dig into an episode of Agents of Shield, yeah. and not just any Trump dig, a dig about that recording of Trump. Yeah. Oh God. Yes, and as I was saying, uh, more Disney news as well. Um, Disney date news. Have you heard of a film we've got coming out called uh, Gigantic? Gigantic. Now, people keep mentioning this to me. I didn't know what it was. What is it? Okay, so Gigantic is... Um, do you know what? We keep doing this thing where we'll, we'll get like, a classic fairy tale and then put a bit of a spin on it and then give it a one-word title. It's Tom Thumb. This is not Tom Thumb. This is uh, Jack of the Beanstalk. Oh, okay. Yeah, so much in the way that we did, like, uh, the Ice Queen well, with yeah, Frozen. Yeah, point out that the last time Rapunzel. someone did Jack and the Beanstalk, that did not work out. No, but that was, that was not a good film. No, that was no. not a good film. Imagine that, a Hugh McGregor film. Yeah. Oh, I forgot what he was in there. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, this is uh, uh, Jack and the Beanstalk. Um, it's actually been delayed by two years, uh. which is a bit rubbish, but it'll be coming out uh, November 2020. Can I just point out, by the way, I'm, I'm offended that your wife accused me of having a bias against Ewan McGregor. Well, it seemed like it, because you didn't enjoy him in Moonlight Rouge, and Cassie thinks that that is a perfect performance. I, I know she does, yeah. Yeah. There is, there is a bit in that film where she says that it sounds like his heart is actually broken. <laughs> There's like, there's, Could she hear his soul? Well, there's, there's a soul. noise in it makes. It's just like... Ah! It sounds like someone's literally just ripped his heart in it's, twain. So it's that Simpsons moment again. You can literally pass. It's the moment <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, let me do the final review for the week, because I've only just learned how to pronounce this guy's name, and I want to take advantage while it's still in my memory. You go for it. Okay, so the film is Suntan. Again, I think I sent you a link a while back. Yeah, um, I believe you did. This is a dramedy uh, set on a hedonistic Greek island. I say hedonistic. It's one of those islands where it's basically dead for uh, like something like eleven, something like ten, eleven months of the year, mm. and then over the summer months there's an influx of tourists. Like I think just British people, <laughs> no, or Greeks actually. Oh, right. um, but we're uh, we're told only a couple hundred people live on the island, and now one of them is our central figure. Um, I'm trying to remember his name. Our central figure, who plays like the the Greek John C. Riley, Costas, Costas, played by Makis Papadimitriou. Papa Amazing, D- name. Papa Dimitriou. Papa Dimitriou, sorry. Papa Dimitriou. Yes. 
Mackie's Papa Demetrio plays Costas. He is the doctor, the new doctor on the island, the old one having passed away. Mm. And he's kind of a schlubby fellow, kind of in his 40s, doesn't really know what he's looking for in life. He moves to the island, you know, and his, his day-to-day activities are, you know, I'll treat, you know, a couple of sprained ankles and things, and then I'll go to the pub for the night. And this is his life. He doesn't particularly enjoy it. It's Christmas when he moves there, so he's got about six months of this before the summer season rolls around. And when the summer season rolls around, there come the influx of, you know, young party-going tourists. And uh, he sort of inadvertently befriends a set of them. Doesn't kind of mean to, but then finds himself sort of sucked into their little their little hemisphere. And uh, central to them is uh, Eli Tringu's character, Anna, um, who is like a 19-year-old girl who he then begins a sexual relationship with. Mm. And in doing so, he doesn't quite acclimatise to the younger emotional mindset, for instance. So he gets a lot more invested than he should. Okay. It also starts to awaken a sort of dormant lust for life within him. And before you know it, he finds himself having to reconcile his outlook on the world with her more youthful, carefree outlook as well. Uh, it's written and directed by, and brace yourself, because this one's going to kill me, <laughs> Argyris Papadimitropoulos. Papadimitropoulos. There we are. Got it. Okay. <laughs> And uh, it's actually quite charming. I mean, it, all right. <laughs> I was going to say it goes into some unexpected places. The final minute of this film is nothing you could ever have expected. And right. I actually took issue with it because I think it went against the film to that point. I mean, it's not an overly long film. It's, just, it's an hour 44. It's rated 18 for good reason. Um, but that final minute, take... They kind of undo any emotional heft that this all might have. They make it to a very nasty affair. And I think that it's going to divide people that see it. I don't want to go into too much with it. But the central performance, uh, I think, is terrific. I think it's a really, really good performance. Um, the role of Anna is is played... Pretty well, actually. It's not played quite as vacuously as you'd expect. There is some emotional depth afforded it, and I thought that was quite refreshing. Um, the, one problem I did have with it was I did think the male members of the youthful uh, little troupe mm. were they were written in a kind of a nauseating way. That kind of that uh, I'm forty five, so clearly I know what twenty year olds sound like. Kind of a way, you know? Yeah, I yeah, know exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the BBC version of youth culture, for instance, yeah. like that, but the Greek equivalent. But uh, which, incidentally, Doctor Who is nicely sidestepped. I've noticed that's actually been quite good. I've quite enjoyed the last two episodes. Yeah, she's really yeah. good. I like her, and I, I think she's she'd great. Be terrible. Though. Yeah, I yeah. think she's really good, and I like her with a new Doctor. And it's a shame that now he's leaving. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seems but, like we've kind of got it together. But Suntan, I do recommend. But I will say, just prepare yourself for the end. You don't think it's coming. It doesn't quite fit, but you know what? It's discussion-worthy. I will say that. It's something that you can discuss afterwards. I think I reacted a little bit too harshly to it in the moment, which was to go, what the... No! What is happening? <laughs> but uh, Because it is completely off-piste. Off, off yeah. But, uh, but, yeah. But and I liked it on the whole. I thought that central central performance was great. And if we ever, God forbid, somehow lose John C. Riley, all we need to do, it turns out, is is hire a dialect coach, abduct Marcus Papadich, Papadich, <laughs> Papa Dimitriou, yeah. uh, reprogram him accent wise, and boom, we've got a new John C. Riley, John D. Riley. 
just work your way through the alphabet. Yeah, exactly. Be like the USS yes. Enterprise. Yeah. You get John E. Riley, John F. <laughs> Riley, who, you know, we'll, we'll never share screen time with F. Murray Abraham yeah. because, you know, you can only have too many F bombs and you only have too, too, too few. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was good. Well done. Thank you. Back to you, Mr. Allen. Okay, um, just a couple of extra bits because we we we've been talking for a long time. We, we have. My voice how is long so have we been talking? I wonder why I have so tried. Are you listening to this still? Why? How how is no one asleep? I don't know. I'm uh, still awake. I'm still awake. I've had a lot of coffee. Though. I've been asleep for four years. I just this is this is all <laughs> autopilot. Yeah, I'm actually asleep right now. This is all makeup. I'm actually a banker. I'm just in, in a sort of waking coma, and this You're is a banker. Yeah, this is the uh, the person that takes over when I'm asleep. Like that cancelled Christian Slater series. Oh, yeah. Where he went to sleep and yeah. he was a spy. He was a spy. Yeah. Which is amazing. Cool. Um, so Adam Sandler is getting a film on Netflix for reasons <laughs> unknown to me. Um, <laughs> this one's with Chris Rock. So, yeah. Oh, Chris Rock. Like who's Chris churned Rock. out so many great cinematic ventures over the years. Yeah, like Top 5 and Good Hair. Actually, really great films. No, no, no. Yeah. He, he's turned out some actually good ones. But let's be honest, they make about 5% of his back catalogue. This is true. And I say that as someone who genuinely enjoyed his... uh, What was the Warren Beatty film he remade, where he was the millionaire who died? Oh, uh, Down to Earth. Down to Earth, there we are. I actually didn't didn't mind that. What was was it called originally? Was it it also called Down to Earth? He was called Down to Earth, yeah. Yeah. Was he he a comedian in... Yes, he was was a comedian who... Did he wake up with the body of a millionaire? Is that the idea? Yes. Yeah. Which is pretty good, yeah. Wasn't it's, bad. Wasn't it bad. just, uh, yeah, it's a really, really good idea. Uh, yeah, he's uh, reteaming with uh, Adam Sandler for a film called The Week Of, not related to The Night Of, <laughs> which is a completely different property. <laughs> the Week Of, when we were both successful. So it takes place in 1997. <laughs> um, Chris Rock is still successful. I know, I know. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, they're going to be playing uh, a pair of dads whose kids are getting married to each other. Oh, okay, fair enough. Although, yeah. then, you know, hijinks ensue, I guess. Do you know what's annoying me about that now? Is the fact that uh, one's a white guy, one's a black guy. Could we not have had the Scrubs movie take that format instead? Exactly. Because wasn't that how Scrubs was ending? Like, Scrubs. there's literally like a flash forward in the end of what should have been the last Scrubs episode. What should have been. Yeah. Yeah, should have been. Where the, where the kids are getting The married. pre-Day Franco era. We don't even talk about We it. don't even, know. no. I can see why Bill Lawrence did that, because he said... If if I don't know, then my my crew will do have a job. But then again, just let it let it end. Uh, it's a really good finale. I might watch that finale tonight. That finale was great. I the actual finale. finale, not the year that followed. It's yeah. kind of like how the X Files ended in season seven. Well, what was supposed to be the last time we see JD? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so. yeah. So it was about um, the last piece of news I want to leave on um, the team that did uh, Hell or High Water again back together. Oh yes, is great. I this, this sounds amazing. Um, it's a film called. Uh, um, it's called Outlaw King. It's going to be about Robert De Bruce. Robert Da Bruce, did you Robert say? Robert Da Bruce. Da Bruce. Uh, yeah, I never call him Robert the Bruce. Or Robert the uh, Bruce. Who played Robert the Bruce in Braveheart? That was the guy that, that's was in... That Angus McFadden? Uh Yes, uh, the guy uh, from Equilibrium. He turned up Angus recently in Lost City of Z. As I said, dead, sorry. Yes. Yeah, yes he was in Lost City of Z. But uh, yeah, so uh, Chris Pine's going to be Robert the Bruce then. Is yes, that right? and uh, Ben Foster. I forget who Ben Foster's playing, but he's... I don't think it's that been announced. I don't know. I think he has, but I just I've forgotten. Oh. And uh, was it's the director uh, David McKenzie? David McKenzie, who did yeah. that film of which I am I, so fond. I love that film. Start up. Well, that as well. No, yeah, I'm yeah. about that. I'm not fond of Start Up. I know you're not. But yeah. Hell High Water. That that was the one where Fox phoned me and spent 45 minutes asking me to change a review. Really? 
Genuinely. Why did you put, why did you give it such a bad review? I liked it. I don't know. I, I gave it a completely fair and unbiased review. I didn't like the film. And I, I stated explicitly why. Hey, man, but, that's just like your opinion. It's just like your opinion, man. Yeah, other opinions are available, you know. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so let's read off some, some, some quickies. Um, Sunny Afternoon. Do you know about this? Uh, yes. The Kinks, the Kinks musical film, yeah. from the West End is being turned into a movie. Yeah, I feel like that should have happened a while ago. By Dexter Fletcher. Again, that's kind of perfect. Kind of works out that one, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, might be really good. There's, there's a lot to say about the two brothers. Yeah, I didn't know this story. I didn't know that that, that went on in the Kinks. Yeah, so I, I've forgotten his name. Um, obviously, Ray, Ray and Ray, Dave Davies, weren't they? Dave Davies, yeah. Um, Dave Davies, he's had a lot of issues with like mental health and depression, things like that. Mm-hmm. Ray Davies is an amazing songwriter, and they've had quite a tumultuous relationship. And, uh, Seems yeah, it. It's really interesting yeah, well, I'm, Story, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Uh, Michael Mann's doing a Vietnam-based event series called Hugh 1968 from the writer of Black Hawk Down. Oh. So, interesting enough. Uh, Margot Robbie's going to be Mary Queen of Scots. Opposite cool. Saoirse Ronan. Oh, that's nice. I that, like that. That's good casting, yeah. huh? Um, okay, um, I'll actually chime in with one last piece of news. Go, what you got? That is, I think, just been unveiled. Oh, go on, so, slay me. Um, M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night. M. Night. That's film, and I said, "Hey, unveiled his next film." Oh no! Guess what it's called? What is it called? It is called Glass. Oh my God! Hang on a minute. Well, hang on. Does this mean we can now talk about the end of Split? Yeah, officially. Okay, this has happened now because it's on DVD now, isn't it? Split. I think it's it on DVD. Come out, yeah. Okay, okay. So we can now talk about how Split obviously takes place in the same world as Unbreakable. Mm. And okay, cool. So the next film's gonna be called Glass, so presumably we're getting Sam Jackson back. Uh yeah, Bruce Willis, Sam Jackson, James McAvoy, and uh and Anya Taylor Joy from Split. So he is an he's a genuine sequel, he's finally doing it. It's a sequel to both of them. Oh fantastic. That's that's the thing. Did I tell you about my wife's uh <laughs> Like outrage when we watched the film, <laughs> no, because she knew nothing about it. She'd actually like saved herself. She didn't. She didn't. Did know, I but... tell you when the film was out? No, somebody else told me. Oh, someone told you. Yeah, I, some, I, I went out my way not to tell you. I think. Yeah. So, well, some some yeah. Somebody already always told me. Yeah, but my my wife didn't know. Yeah. And then it gets a bit right at the end where like watching the TV and some woman's like, mm, what do yeah, they call that guy? What's what's the name of that guy? And then like they Bruce Willis, Mr. It. Glass, and my wife literally went, no. No! No, no! No! I can absolutely imagine that. I can imagine her doing that as well. Yeah, the first one was like, no! Like, <laughs> you, you've, you've really mastered her mannerisms. You know? Thank you, yeah. It's, it's that, it's that sort of flippant thing you do with your face. Yeah, <laughs> really masters it. Because <laughs> I've seen it a lot. <laughs> yeah, you've seen a lot of sarcastic yeah. uh, responses from your wife. I'd imagine. Um, I did, uh, one thing: Bill Condon's doing Bride of Frankenstein. Have we talked about that? Oh, we've not. But that's ace, actually. Yeah, because I'm, he, I'm fine with that. he directed the James Whale biopic. James Whale directed Bride of Frankenstein back in the twenties, the thirties. Yeah, seems pretty perfect. Hang on, what else we? Got Mads Mikkelsen is getting an Arctic set survival thriller. Oh, Lads Mikkelsen. <laughs> Lads, yeah. Call, it's called, imaginatively enough, Arctic. And they are filming this in, apparently, the worst <laughs> winter in the history of Iceland. They're filming it in Angley's green screen warehouse. <laughs> but it's nice and warm. We've got where it is. Uh, Luke Hemsworth got the lead in what sounds like the new version of Signs. It's called oh, Encounter. Right. Uh, oh. Keith Carradine has joined the uh, Robert Redford's final film, The Old Man, yeah. and, the, Old Man and the Gun. 
Yes. With Casey Affleck. Yeah. Keith Carradine's going to be in that because apparently A Quiet Passion was uh, well received. Blind Al is returning for the Deadpool sequel. Yes. What's the name? Leslie Uggams. Leslie yeah. Uggams did not realise that. They did not realise she was a Tony Award winning uh, oh, yeah. Broadway performer. Mm. Yeah. Oh, on the stage. We were away when the uh, Captain Marvel news came out. Yeah, we've got uh, directors. Directors. Directors, yes. yeah. Um, Anna Bolden and Ryan Fleck. I can't believe you remember that. I don't, yeah. but yes, that's exactly right. And they directed Mississippi Grind. Mississippi Grind. And Half it's Nelson. Kind, it's kind of a funny story. Um, yeah, Half Nelson. I, I think that was just Ryan Fleck that did um, Half Nelson. I think that Anna Bolden wrote it. Then from there on in, they were like a directorial team. Yeah, I think they are. Yeah. They've done quite a lot of just like TV episodes as well, but seems to be... Really... They have like billions and things like that. They did episode of billions. Yeah, and... Big C, I think they did an episode. Oh, yeah. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Final few bits then. All right. For some reason, don't know who wanted this. There is a sequel being planned for the Man from Uncle, because I, I like that film. I like it. I like but it. There's no franchise there. It's a shame. It's a shame. There's no franchise. I feel there. like there would have been like 20 years ago, maybe. Yeah. Dolph Lundgren's going to be a villain in Aquaman. Yes. Cause, I forgot about that. Because that film just has everything going for it. Yeah. Uh, Josh Brolin is Cable. We didn't get to cover that. Did we not talk about that? We didn't talk about that. Josh Brolin is Cable. That happened after our last show. Oh my god, we didn't talk about it. We didn't that. talk about it. Josh Brolin's cable, man. That's one of the biggest uh, pieces of news. And we'll, do you yeah. know, let's leave it at that, because it'll well, still have a... I have, I have one one last one I have to do, because it's so amusing. What's that? Right. So, Sylvester Stallone obviously quit uh, Expendables, right? <laughs> quit Expendables 4. He has signed on for Escape Plan 3. Right? Don't, don't ask me how. Um, and at the same time, he <laughs> is suing Warner Brothers... Over Demolition Man because he claims they owe him money. They're supposed to give him. Like, he, he's got a percentage of the back end on Demolition Man. Mm. Apparently, they didn't pay him for fourteen years, and then they handed him something like, uh, like a, a paltry figure that he's yeah. like, "There is no Chunk way." Change. Yeah, there's no way that movie made that little. So he has <laughs> taken them to court. He is suing them in order to get access to their complete financial earnings. Warner Brothers have turned around and said, oh, "Well, clearly there's been an accounting error, and we'll address that immediately." So. No one's insinuating anything. We're just saying that's what they've said. So, uh, yeah. Imagine that. Trying to claim Demolition Man didn't make money. Have you seen it recently? Uh, Not for a while, but I do love that film. Oh, I love it so much. It's incredible. I just want to know how those damn seashells work. (laughs) In fact, I'm going to watch that tonight. Oh, I love that film so much. It's so good to give it a rewatch. You want to sign us off then? Uh, Yeah, okay. Here it is. Your moment of Sir Nicholas of Cage. Doing. I want to know where Daryl is. My God. Nobody saw me come in. Nobody knows I'm here. This old woman's going to run out of air, and you're going to have a tough time convincing people that it wasn't you who did it to her. And even if, and even if you do convince them that you didn't kill her on purpose, you're still going to have a tough time selling them that you took care of her with a f- God. Now listen to me. Where the f- is he? I said, where the f- is he? He's on an airplane. Miss Antoinette bought him a ticket and sent him to live with her family in England. It's right, okay. That's okay. That's a good girl. Suck, suck it up. Come, there you go. There you go. That's it. Take it in. That's a good girl. Take it in. Good. 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 That's it. Breathe. 
Maybe you should drop dead, you selfish c-